Live from the Battleborn Broadcast Center, it's Cofield and Company. Rolling on five o'clock hour. Cofield and Company. Big hour on the way. We're going to talk a little UNLV Rebel football later in the hour. We'll meet the defensive coordinator, Michael Scherer. Like I said, middle of the hour. Plenty to get to. A lot more on Derek Carr and potential landing spots. And uh, you know, let's stop worrying about the X. Let's start looking forward and, and figure out who we're getting as, a, as, our, no, as our new bow, right? It's our new quarterback. Willie's here. You know who else is here? He's going to become a regular on the show. Believe me, this, this could be very abusive, right? If, uh, if we get a hold of uh, Dean Blandino's number, uh, Adam Hill, and sometimes you, I think you're going to want the guy on every week during the football season. But we had such a good time last week, and then, well, we saw what happened in the Super Bowl. So Dean joined us, one of the guys who's on the uh, the Fox crew and is now working with the XFL as a VP of officiating and rules innovation. Dean's up with Steve Cofield and Willie Ramirez here in Las Vegas. What's up, Dean? How are you? Good. How are you guys doing? We're good. Uh, we reached out kind of last minute today. Have you gotten a lot of phone calls from media people who wanted to talk about the officiating in the Super Bowl this week? <laughs> no. Uh-oh. Why would they ever want to talk about the officiating? Did something happen? It was a perfect game. The refs did a great job. Great job. They did do a good job. There's, just, yes. there's always something to talk about, though. So what we've heard, Dean, um, you know, from both sides, but the most common one is, hey, if they're going to call holding, they could call it every other play, whether it's on the line or with that. We had a, a former NFL defensive back on earlier. I've been saying all week, you know, if they probably don't – if he doesn't tug the jersey, it's probably not called. Um I guess, first of all, is that true? Could, could realistically, if there were eyes on every single 22 players, could, could, could holding be called on almost every play? You know, that's a common, right? We've always heard that. And, and I would say no, but there would be certainly more holding called. Look, there's seven officials. There's 22 players. You can't watch every player throughout every play. It's just not possible. But every eligible receiver – does have an official assigned to that receiver initially based on their alignment at the snap. And then, and then that can change depending on how the routes are run. But on that play, you know, the, the, the receiver, it's Bradbury, it's, it's Schuster Smith. They're, they're basically on the outside. That was that official, the deep wing official. That's all that official looking at on a play like that. And he obviously saw the Jersey grab. And he made the call. And if you do grab Jersey, that is defensive holding. Are there going to be plays earlier in the game where maybe that same thing happened and it didn't get called? Sure, that's possible. Um, that's going to happen in any football game. And, you know, our, one of our company members, Adam Hill, earlier this week made a great point in saying that, okay. By the way, I want to remind Dean when he sat down with us. Yeah. Uh, Adam was the big fella who asked you like 48 questions in a row. We, we, we cut, we cut that, you a break today. He's officiating. We need to get him out on the field yeah. in some stripes. Well, we, we, had talked about, <laughs> we had talked about Dean and Mike Pereira doing a podcast, and uh, then Dean joked, Adam might be one of the eight people who listen, but he would be in full <laughs> yeah. freaking bore. So yeah. keep going, Willie. I'm sorry. But he but he made the, he made a great point in saying that okay a lot of the people that are griping saying you left it in the referee's hands the referee you leave it them to it it, it he makes the call he he essentially makes the decision in the game but by not making the call you're also in a sense 
making a decision, you know, you're deciding the Super Bowl. Because if you don't make the call, it's the same effect for the other team. Sure. And that and that's always something that we talk to officials about all the time. And you want that consistency. You can't officiate the situation. You have to officiate the action. You can't say, well, fourth quarter tie game, Super Bowl, I'm not going to call it because I don't want to be the difference. Well, if you don't call it, you can make a difference. And I think teams pick up on that. If you're going to go in with the idea of, hey, we're going to let them play, teams pick up on that. Then players understand, hey, I can get away with more. The game becomes more aggressive. And ultimately, somebody's going to gain you know, an unfair advantage. So it's one of those plays where it's a foul. It's a big situation. I think we all felt, including myself, you all felt a little disappointed that we didn't get to see the Eagles get the ball back. And, and, and a really classic finish to what was a, an amazing game. But, but it is what it is. He saw it. Even Bradbury's comments, you know, he, he, he knew it was a hold. He was hoping that, that they didn't see it. And that was kind right. of what I took from, from his comments. Yeah, I loved his comment. It wasn't the fact that he admitted it. It was the finale where he said the, the of the comment where he said, "I was hoping I'd get away with it." That yeah. to me was very poignant. Dean Blandino, v- uh, Vice President of Officiating and Rules Innovation. Um, one of the other things that I've heard a lot of is, you know what? Overall, this was one of the best seasons of officiating in terms of a lot of people defending the refs from start to finish. Has do you feel that officiating, or do you think that there's some work that needs to be done? You know, I always think there's work to be done. I don't think the officiating is is any better. It doesn't it doesn't drastically improve or get worse from year to year. And there's always things that you can do. I think what we're seeing though is really a, a transitional period where we're using more replay outside of the coaches' challenges. Right, where we're we're interrupting, not interrupting, but but injecting more replay into the game and giving officials more help in real time and using the technology to get plays right. And I think that's a good thing, but the league needs to continue to, to look at how do we improve our officials on the field? How do we maintain a good balance between officiating on the field and adding technology and replay to help and maintaining a good flow to where we're not, you know, we're not interrupting the game too many times and we can, you know, we can allow for a, a fun game to watch without a bunch of stops and starts. Dean Blandino is with us. Back to the Super Bowl. Uh, what would be your, your overall grade? You know, how did you guys react to most of the game? I think uh, one penalty was certainly missed earlier in the game when Juju Smith-Schuster yes. was trying to run a route, and he, he got yanked pretty hard. But overall performance, was were there a bunch of calls missed or, you know, egregiously bad calls made? No, I think, I think it was a really – well-officiated game. That was a very experienced crew. You had multiple officials working, you know, their, their third Super Bowl, which is, which is a, a little bit unusual to have that much experience. I thought they did a nice job. There's always going to be, I haven't looked through every, you know, every inch of video yet, but I'll go through the game. And, um, but nothing jumped out. You know, nothing really jumped out in terms of, yeah, that play early in the game should have been called. But it's not like there was a bunch of misses. And then, obviously, the one play at the end, that's the one everybody wants to talk about. So, in the offseason, what do you think are the biggest initiatives that they're going to make some changes, some tweaks with officiating? Uh, again, this is for the NFL. We'll get to the XFL in a couple minutes. What do you think the goals are going to be during the NFL offseason? Well, they're definitely, you know, player safety is always the, the first thing that they look at, the competition committee. And, the, and they, did, they did report that the concussions were up this year. So, they're going to look at the video Look at those those injuries. Look at the mechanics of how they happened, and see is there something 
that is happening? Is there a trend that we can look at from a rules perspective to, to just make the game safer? I do think that the Super Bowl kind of highlighted one of the things that I think will, will be a, a big part of the discussion is the, the quarterback sneak with the pushing, you know, what the Eagles did, you know, they're very effective with it, you know, getting behind Jalen Hurts and pushing him into the pile. I think the league's going to look at that. And, you know, that used to be illegal. You, you, you didn't, you weren't allowed to push a ball carrier to, to aid that ball carrier in gaining yardage. Um, the rule changed mid 2000s and they took it out. And I think they're going to look at that. And, uh, and possibly take that out of the game. And then they'll, they'll look at, you know, like I said, other, other player safety issues, the Mahomes injury, the high ankle sprain, the, the Tony Pollard injury. They talked about the specific type of tackle where the defender kind of leaves his feet and lands on the legs. They'll look at that, and, uh, and I would imagine there'll be a couple of other things that the committee, um, you know, goes through after they look at all the video. You follow all officiating, and we asked you a couple of college questions uh, last time you were on. Dean Blandino is with us. On the collegiate level, is that push illegal or legal right now? You said the NFL changed it a few years back. What's the deal on the collegiate level? Yeah, the college, the push is still legal in college. Mm. You, you, can't, you can't pull a runner forward. So if you're in front okay. of the runner and you grab him and pull him, but you, you can still push in college. But, again, I think that's something that – you know whether it's college, NFL, something we need to we need to look at because I just watched that play, especially in the Super Bowl, and and it's not a it, we talk about our athletes being the best athletes in the world and the athleticism and the skill. It's not a skill play. It's a it's it's more of a a, a kind of a, a brute force type rugby scrum type play, and you just you just think about okay, is what 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 comes next if everybody starts doing it? What does the defense do to then combat that? Do they go low at the legs of the offensive lineman? Then does it become a, a, a real safety issue? I think that's something the league has to look at. Well, I would love to see college because it, it didn't really happen in college last year. You know, it's in front of our face in the NFL. So you're right. I think the NFL will address it. But if college isn't paying attention. Um, I almost think it's a fireable offense of coaches on the collegiate level if they don't have that play installed, like on every team in the country. Because I, and I know people keep saying, hey, oh, well, it's the Eagles' offensive line. It's a personnel thing. Let me tell you something. If you basically get in a victory formation and the quarterback can be pushed behind from behind by three guys, uh, it's going to be highly successful at a lot of college programs. No question. Right? So, but, but then what's the process on that one? Like, I, obviously – in yeah, college, same in like, does it have to yeah, be one, one conference stepping up and going, hey, we got to address this? Like, what starts the conversation? Yeah, that's, that's a good question in terms of the college. NCAA, it doesn't matter, conference, uh, level, Division One, Division Two, whatever it is, they have a rules committee and a competition committee, and they'll address that. They'll look at those things. There's a list of things that they'll go through, and I'm sure that'll be one of them. And then, and then they'll, they'll make a change based on the recommendation from the competition committee, the rules committee. They also have a player oversight, uh, player playing rules oversight panel that ultimately, um, you know, blesses all the rules changes so that it would go through that process for something to change. Once again, speaking with Dean Blandino, you brought up the Pat Mahomes injury. I want to ask you because leading up to the Super Bowl, we were, we asked different defensive players, hey, is the initiative when you're going after him, Tackle low. If you're not going high, going for the knee, it's a legal hit. Get, grab that ankle. Do referees take in consideration knowing a franchise player, a face of the league, what that injury wants? If they, if you know they went after that ankle, but it's a legal hit, do you take those things in consideration? Or, hey, a legal hit's a legal hit. Yeah, legal hit's a legal hit. You're, you're obviously, you're aware. They're not, officials aren't immune to what goes on. And they're scouting. 
they're scouting the team. So that Super Bowl crew, they, they were for two weeks, they're scouting the Chiefs and they're scouting the Eagles. And I'm sure one of the things that came up is, look, Mahomes has this ankle, so he's going to be less mobile. You're thinking of it from that perspective in terms of what could possibly happen. You're not thinking about, okay, we're going to, we're going to call it differently because, the, you know, he, he's injured. It's a foul, it's a foul. If it's not, if it's legal, it's legal. But you're aware of those types of things and how it may impact. You know, I, I, I may, he may not be as mobile and might not be outside the pocket as much because his ankle is compromised, that type of thing. Dean Blandino's with us. Let's close on this, Dean. So Dean's working with the XFL. We have a team here in Sin City, the Vegas Vipers. Things are going to open up on the 18th, so we're talking about this weekend. And you and I and, and Adam Hill on Radio Row had spoken about officiating depth up and down all the levels. Um, I know you can't guarantee this, but – how sure are you that in the XFL we're not going to come out every week out of every weekend with the officiating being griped about? Um, how do you feel about the situation going into this league? Well, I feel really good. We've got really good officials. They're all top college officials, and a lot of them are part of the NFL's development program. So they have a program where they scout officials, and when they have openings, they pull from that pool of officials. So I feel I feel really good. Look, I can't sit here and say we're not going to be talking about officiating every season. doesn't matter what league, what conference. There's always going to be something. The game is fast. It's a hard game to officiate. And uh, But I feel really good. I think we've got layers in place. I think we've got replay. We've got some other things to, uh, you know, to mitigate you know, any type of mistake where, where we're not talking about officiating being the difference in the games it's the players and the coaches and the way it should be so i'm excited about the season and can't wait but i do anticipate i'm sure i'll be talking to you guys about some call in the vegas piper game you know <laughs> yes. week four it's fine I'm, I'm anticipating that there's a couple of intriguing rules and we can close on this um that i i wonder if the nfl is sort of just sitting back looking from afar at certain aspects of what the xfl is doing um, but the two that I'm obviously intrigued is is the uh, the uh, the onside kick where you can go fourth and fifteen, and then of course the three point conversion from ten yards out. Is there anyone that you think that that anything that you think that the XFL is implementing that the NFL may be keeping an eye on? Yeah, I think the NFL is going to be keeping an eye, and, and they should. They looked at you know whether it's spring football, XFL, USFL, because we're doing some things that the league has. Talked about. I know the kickoff, the XFL kickoff, is different and unique. It, it keeps the return in the game, and it and it limits high impact, high speed collisions. So they'll look at that. Um, the the fourth and fifteen is something the NFL wanted um, us to look at because it's been discussed. As you think about the onside kicks, a couple of years ago, the onside kick was, I mean, it was down to about a four percent play where 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 the success rate was extremely low. And that, that, the ability to get the ball back when you're behind a couple of scores is important because that, that leads to closer games, more exciting games, and, and, and more fan engagement. So they're definitely looking at that. And I think you know, the access that we'll, we'll give our fans is another thing that the NFL will look at. So, so again, they'll look at a lot of what we're doing, and, uh, and we'll see. We'll see if they, if they decide to implement any of it. Dean, good spot. Uh, we'll give you a call tomorrow. No, I'm kidding. We'll, we'll leave you alone. <laughs> we'll, we'll, maybe, we maybe, maybe it's a weekly thing. Well, maybe yeah, yeah, not yeah. a daily thing, a weekly thing. We got, we got some basketball we want to talk about from tonight. All right, Dean, we appreciate it, and we'll, uh, we'll see you soon, okay? Thank you for right. doing the spot, especially on short notice. You got it. Take care, guys. There he is, Dean Blandino. He's a funny guy. Yeah, it's good sense of humor. Yeah, he was he was he was kind of funny on the uh, the introductory Zoom that we had for the XFL about a month ago. 
And, uh, you know, it's, I, I was thinking to myself, he, he had all this media on here as he introducing it. He goes, and for anybody out there, you want to get in touch with me with any of these questions, here's my number. And I'm thinking, Whoa. dude, you just opened the floodgates. <laughs> Follow the guys on Twitter at Steve Cofield and at Willie G. Ramirez or tweet the show at Cofield and Co. There's absolutely nothing surprising about the fact that Derek Carr was cut by the Las Vegas Raiders yesterday. But now today, if the New York Jets don't send a private plane full from top to bottom with unlimited cash straight to Derek Carr and say, come join us right now and be our quarterback, they will be making the biggest mistake of the offseason. Hanging at the Battle Born Broadcast Center, it's Cofield and Company. Fast sound crew throwing that one together. Hmm. Sometimes some of the analysts from ESPN are kind of lame. Uh, but Fitz is a Raiders fan, and he's on Raider Nation Radio 920. Um, I also think he lacks objectivity. Mm-hmm. And we have to listen to Chris Carlin and Canty as the lead in the Cofield and Company with the Jets nonsense. And I'm a Jets fan. I'm not. I'm not taking the bait here. That, that's a good, strong take by Fitz, but he's wrong. Okay, listen. He's, he's wrong, and here's what we're doing. And we said we're not going to do it. In this relationship, the man was dumped. Not, not Fitz. Right. Derek Carr. Right. It's time to stop worrying about, at least for us right now at this time, what the X is doing and focus on who are next. It's post-Valentine. Who, who, Wait a who, minute. Who, who, are, who we desire Wait a to minute. play quarterback in Las Vegas. Hold on. Let's not go back to the beginning. We, we got to go. Come on. Let's go. Oh, no. Let's we're not, not going go- back to the beginning of the show. Come on. We gotta, we, we, we're short on time. We spent a lot of time with Blantino. Come on. Let's go. Who do we want? You're cutting me off because you who know what? Because I said the same thing at the beginning of the show. I, I, meant at I, the, I, 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 I meant at the beginning we were addressing it. Now we've done it. Let's go. Who, so exactly who, what who I said. It? Who is it? Send the play. By the way. You you load you load up the plane with money if you're going to do that. Uh, it, it, now that Nathaniel Hackett, who was in Green Bay, you go, you send the plane to Lamb or to uh to Green Bay or wherever the heck Aaron Rodgers is at. So when he comes out of the darkness retreat, or get it there before the darkness retreat, before you send it for Derek Carr. Do you? If well, so because, we just can't move on from the X. This is typical breakup stuff. I was keeping it on Rodgers. I know. Okay. But here's the thing. Yes. Do you go for the safe choice, the safer choice in Derek Carr and just get it done? Why is it safer? Why is it safer? <laughs> I think you have a much better chance of him saying yes. Let's just let's just say it straight out. Aaron Rodgers is hotter. Okay. As an NFL quarterback. I just think that he's better suited there because Hackett's there. He's got a Green Bay. But but Todd Downing also got hired by the Jets. He used to work with Derek Carr. Let's let's worry about the Raiders, would you? Play the conspiratorial music, please. Okay. Today is National Singles Day. You celebrate after Valentine's Day. So the Raiders are they're available. Let's celebrate. You're single? Yeah. How do we celebrate? By trying to get unsingle and get someone new. Absolutely not. You use Singles Day to try to hook up, right? Singles Day is actually celebrated by going and buying all a bunch of discount candy and all. Swipe the- right or swipe left, along with buying the cheap candy. I, I, I've never been on one of those apps, so I don't know. What do you do, Ari? Swipe right or left? You know the stuff. What is it? 
Right is good, left is bad, if that's what you're asking. Okay. Right. okay. Jesus, I wonder how many lefts Ari's gotten. None. He doesn't use that stuff. He doesn't need to. No. Let's go to a bar, chat it up. Let's go. We're We're going home. Yeah. All right. On to the Raiders. I don't know why you have to react like that. Next up for the Raiders. Yes. Okay. Okay. I'm going to, this is, I'm writing. Now we're out of time. Now we're out of time. No, we're not. I'm getting ready to write a call. You know, let's take a break. We'll have to reset this. That's what you keep. We keep talking about the X instead of talking about who we want. You're right. You're right. (laughs) Who do we want? I know who I want. I know who I want under center for the Raiders. I know who should. It makes sense. Coming back, we're going to talk some defense. I want to talk about the Super Bowl, and then I want to talk about what UNLV is going to try to build on defense. They have a new defensive coordinator under a defensive head coach in Barry Odom. Michael Shearer is going to join us here on Cofield and Company as we uh, each week are introducing you guys to the new coaches and some of the holdovers as well on this UNLV Rebel football staff. Join Cofield and Company on Fridays for the 3 to 6 show at the Golden Circle Sportsbook and Bar. There's nothing like a football Friday at Treasure Island. Hurts by himself in the backfield. Threat to run and throw. Crouches down. He wants to run it. Now the ball's out. He kicks the ball. It's picked up by Kansas City. They're going to the 20, to the 10, to the 5. Touchdown, Kansas City. A defensive score by Nick Bolton. You're listening to Cofield and Company, live from the Battleborn Broadcast Center on ESPN Las Vegas. Yeah, like I said earlier in the show, uh, the Chiefs, we'll back off the Chiefs for like two days, but watching the parade today, I'm, I'm out on the, 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 the celebrating, feeling good for them. It's enough. Again, Mitch Holtis on the call there. But, that, you know, that's not the way it is. For Chiefs fans, they get to go hard on this for a while. And I think more championships are coming. I want to talk defense. We'll talk about the Chiefs a little bit and what they were doing on offense to uh, confuse and throw off the Eagles. Michael Scherer is the uh, defensive coordinator for UNLV, part of the new staff with Barry Odom, and Coach joins us here for a couple minutes on Cofield and Company. What's going on, buddy? How are you doing tonight? Uh, good, good. You know what? I, I've talked to you a couple times. I, I don't think I ever asked you, are you an NFL fan? Do you have a team? Well, it's funny. Um, I, I, it might just be happenstance, um, but you just played the the sound of a highlight from the Chiefs game, and then started talking about the Chiefs game. Mm, um, the kid who picked up that fumble and ran for a touchdown was uh, one of the first kids I coached at the University of Missouri, Nick Bolton. Um, I am from St. Louis, Missouri, um, and if you are a Missourian, you know that the Kansas City Chiefs Stadium is in. Uh, the Missouri side, not the Kansas side of Kansas City. So I would have to say all those combined, I'm probably got to add on to your your Chiefs uh, gloating for a little bit. I figured. I figured it was a, it was all an elaborate setup. I figured was. that was that was the case. Um, and, you know, it was it was actually interesting today. Bolton got up on stage and tried to tried to start a little Mizzou chant, and I feel like it was like all K State and Kansas fans in front of him because because no one would chant. So there's there is that war between those three schools, and we certainly know Kansas and Missouri don't like each other. Oh, that's true. Don't don't get it mixed up on what side of the state the Chiefs are on. You'll uh, it'll cause problems around those parts. The only thing that we missed out on, Michael, on that rejoin is we probably uh, since everyone's from the Lou, we probably should have had Nelly in the background. Okay, that is go. true. That, that could, you could have topped it off. It would have, would have kind of sealed the deal. I, I, uh, 
<laughs> I heard the whole Bolton play. I didn't. I didn't know if it was scripted or not. Um, but uh, but um, the Nelly would have. The Nelly would have given it away. Um, so I think you guys did a good job there, kind of you know mixing it in. Speaking of UNLV football, defensive coordinator Michael Scherer. So what is scripted is something that Barry Odom is. Well, he's scripting out a, a game plan with spring ball right around the corner. Um, he, he's held a couple of closed-door uh, luncheons, if you will, with the media. Um, just sort of meet and greets off the record just to get to know everyone so we could also get to know him. And uh, what I came, out, came away with it is a no-holds-barred, straightforward, no shenanigans, no-nonsense kind of guy. Uh, here's who I am. I'm laying it out on the table, and you're more than welcome to come out and see what we're about to do. Who is Barry Odom? Uh, I think you, you laid it out kind of perfectly. That's that's exactly who he is. Um, he's uh, extremely involved and, and, and extremely just open and honest about how he runs this program and, and who he is and, and the way we go about our business and, and will go about our business. So, uh, you know, I, I think it, it'll be a good thing for everybody to see exactly who he is as a coach and, and who we all are. And, and also, I think it, it'll... Having the doors open gives uh, guys like you and, and other members of the media a chance to meet our team and talk about our team. And You know, that, that's the important part here. The, the kids are the ones who play the game. We just try and help them. So Willie did a good job of setting that up and you know telling the audience who Barry Odom is. And there's a reason you're here because I know you, you respect Barry Odom and, and a lot of the coaches said the same thing. I'm going to flip it on you. Uh, why do you think Barry Odom wants you around in terms of your philosophies, you know, and, and coming up with a defensive plan between the two of you? Oh, I, I mean, obviously we've, we've been in a lot of wars together, uh, whether it be him as my coach or um, me working for him. Um, so, you know, when you, when you go through seasons together, you know, you become extremely close and you go through difficult situations and happy situations and all that, and you become close and, and then I think, you know, uh, when I started working for him, I, I did, you know, whatever I could to work as much as I could. And I think that took me to the, the next phase of things. Of, you know, and then, I don't know, I, I was fortunate enough to that Arkansas. Um, um, and maybe had a little influence on them, but, but they're really, really good players. And we had a whole lot of success Um at the linebacker position at, at Arkansas, and, and I just think that gave him more confidence to, to bring me here with him. Um, and, and obviously, we speak the same language. Uh, we know the same things. We kind of formulated the defense we ran at Arkansas together when we first showed up there in 2020. Um, and, and so we were, we're on the same page uh, with everything, and, and I think that that's a big part of it. From a familiarity standpoint, when he brings together and assembles this staff, is there somewhat of a chip on your guys' shoulder? And I say this, that you come here with, from a humble aspect, but when you look at the complexion of UNLV's program and the history, and then your guys' resume, right, from the SEC, is there a sort of a, it's almost like a, ch a challenge, like, guys, let's go in there and resurrect and turn this thing around. We are bringing SEC to UNLV. Is, do you kind of – is it is it a challenge you want to tackle? Is that part of the thought process? Um, it, it, it's a challenge you want to tackle, but I, personally I don't go about it that way. Um, you know, it's, a, it's somewhat similar to when we walked into Arkansas for the first time and the way the program was there when we first walked in. 
it was more from from once being a player, and, and I was fortunate enough to play in two SEC championship games and a Cotton Bowl, and I just like to win. And I also went through you know a, a tough season, so I know what it's like not to win. And, and when you walk in, you, you want you want these kids to experience that feeling of winning, and whether it's hoisting up a trophy, whether whatever it is, um, you, you really want them to be able to experience something they haven't, and. Um, you know, I think that's why we encourage them to, to work a little bit harder. You know, kind of work work differently to, to get something a little different. Um, so, so from from that standpoint, it's really what I look at it more as. It's more the driving factor of hey, you know, you, you you show up and you work with these kids every day, and you're around these kids, and you do it because the kids. You're here. The, the kids play the game. You know, we yeah, we formulate a plan, but the kids play the game, and, and you just want to see them win and, and be successful and be happy because you know what it feels like. Um, so, so I think really you come at it from from that standpoint, and, and that's also exciting because it's fun to watch. Um, it, it's fun, you know. I, I had the the kid who ended up being the, the leading tackler in Arkansas history. I coached for years, and the very first year uh, we played Georgia, and we were close at halftime, and ended up losing like thirty-one to ten. But the game was close at halftime, and he came up to me after the game and said, "Hey, like." we might actually be decent. Like, we might be good. Like, you started to believe it. And, and when you saw once these kids believed it, then we started to win games. Um, and, and it kind of just, you know, makes the morale high everywhere and, and, and you feel good for the kids. And uh, so, yeah, it, will it be awesome to say, you know, you resurrect whatever, how you go resurrect the program or you turn it around or you help put it, make it better? Yes. Um, but you also have to be honest with, I see these kids every single day. I know how hard they work. I know what I put them through. Uh, and at the end of the day, you do it all so that they can have success and be happy on a Saturday. Rebel football spring practice starts on March 1st. Spring game is on April 8th. We're talking to the new defensive coordinator, Michael Scherer, with us, uh, coming in with Barry Odom. All right, you got to hit the recruiting trail a little bit, and we'll talk about a couple of the recruits and some of the holdovers on defense. But just wearing the UNLV gear and pitching UNLV, whether it was in Vegas or you know in your sweet spots from a recruiting standpoint, what do you think? What was the reaction to you pitching UNLV football? Um, you know, it's it's uh, there's there's a lot of good momentum around UNLV football right now, and being from you know, Southeastern Conference being down there, being, I've recruited a lot of kids out of Texas, uh, going back to Texas. And, you know, I think spreading our name throughout there is going to help a whole lot. And, and the great thing, you know, I don't want to say too much, but especially at some of the, the positions I coach around the city here, there's some really good players. Um, and um, I, I think we, uh, we are going to make a, a really concerted effort to keep, uh, the talent that's here in Vegas, keep it here. And um, if we can do that, um, first and foremost, I think that's going to um, help us out a lot. I think there's 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 a, there's talent around here, and we just got to show that we want them um, and show that we want them to stay here in Vegas, and we do. And we can build it up around that, but also, you know, going out to Dallas, guys committing often and things like that. So our presence out there has grown, and a lot of it is because we have familiarity with all the coaches and relationships around there. 
So I want your take on what you've got here. Um, and I know you're, you're coaching the whole defense, but you're a linebacker, so I'm sure you're paying real close attention to the linebacker group. Some of the holdovers include guys like Marcel McDuffie and Kyle Beaudry and Jordan Eubanks and Fred Tompkins. You're, you're bringing in a guy you're real familiar with in Jackson Woodard from Arkansas. I know you guys are really excited about uh, Xavier Carter, who's in from LSU. So how does that whole – how does that whole mix work? And it sounds like at least it provides you with the numbers to be able to play multiple styles of defense, whether it's four three three four three three five. Yeah, I think uh, you know I've been really excited about the group we have, um, and I've been you know pleasantly surprised with with everyone that's been here. I know you know like you said, you got Kyle Bojry who's who's played a lot of football. He's an older guy. He's got a lot of experience. Um, and you also have a guy like Fred Thompson who, or Tompkins who played, you know, a decent amount last year and has you know, a decent, decent amount of tackles under his belt. Um, and, and I've been really impressed with those two. They're, uh, you know, Fred, Fred works incredibly hard. I, I think he's going to be uh, a really important piece to our linebacker room. Um, I, I really like him a lot. Um, obviously, like you said, I have, I have a lot of familiarity with Jackson Woodard. So, you know, it's kind of, continue on as we have for the past three years with him. Um, he will help us out a ton, and he's providing a lot of leadership and, and things like that. He, he works extremely hard. Uh, I think he's going to help us out. Ah, bummer. His phone's, his phone's crapping out a little bit. Let's see if we can put him on hold and get a clear signal. He just gave all the starters. Yeah. He just gave all the starters, right? Now. I don't think he did, but he's talking about more of the faces that they've brought in and, and, and they're mixing in. Uh, all right, Coach is back up. Coach, you had just finished uh, talking about some of the, the the guys that are back and and mentioned Woodard, and then you were going from there. Yeah, McDuffie, he's, he's looking good. He's going to definitely be able to uh, make an impact for us. Um, and the one who's really been, you know, I've really been impressed with uh, just in his work ethic and and kind of how he's taking a step forward is Jordan Eubanks. Um, Jordan's got a lot of talent and a really good uh, frame on him. Uh, we just got to learn how to work and, and, and kind of learn how to play the position. Um, uh, and th- so there's, and like you said, Xavier Carter, um, he's gaining weight. He's getting where he needs to be. Uh, plenty of, we have a lot of talent. And uh, it comes down to getting tough and uh, learn how to play physical and play the position the right way. Um, and if they can do that, they're going to be just as good as, uh, you know, the linebackers we've had in the past, which fortunately we've had. Well, I think that I think that did it. I think that did it. We'll, uh, we'll hook up with the coach uh, down the road. We're going to feature a different coach uh, just about every week uh, through the uh, – spring practice up to the spring game. So Michael Scherer, just 29 years old, was playing at Missouri just a few years ago. You know, he was there before Nick Bolton, but a guy who is very highly regarded. And um, it is one of the things I actually asked at that, uh, that closed-door media luncheon where we got to meet Barry Odom. I did ask him a question about, you know, are there advantages to having younger coordinators? Michael's 29 and uh, Brennan Marion's 30. And and he, he, he gave – you know, basically the answer I, I expected, which is there, there is an advantage. We'll see what happens on game day, right? But there is an advantage. When you go to high schools, you are a lot closer in terms of age and understanding kids now, understanding coaches, 
locally. So I'm I'm really excited about who they brought in as a coordinator. I'm somewhat excited about just everything that he's doing. And what I appreciated about the luncheon was I went while you were on Press Row in Phoenix on Radio Row because there was a large demand of, of media that was out of town, whatever. But he made sure that he wanted to get everybody that he could. And so whoever missed the first one, right. he did another one. And so I, go around. I thought it te- it's very telling that hey i'm not here to answer questions we're not recording i just want you you got questions you can fire them at me i got questions of you and he asked questions of the media um and and i thought it was very telling and a very good um start before spring ball because he said i want you out there i want you guys out there for spring ball the whole time he actually he put me on the spot you know i do sidelines for football and he just looked at me he's like He's like, I heard that you asked really stupid questions last year to Arroyo. Are you going to be better this year? And I was like, all right, well, okay. Pressure's on. Well, he didn't ask you about your beard, so that's a good No, thing. he didn't ask about yeah. the – and by the way, he didn't ask me that. So. Oh. So. I wish he would have. That would have been good feedback. Boy, you were terrible last year. You going to bring it? You going to bring it at the break or what? Come on. Just keep your commer- Just keep your questions to like 10, 15 seconds. Get in and out, <laughs> would you? I understand, yes. Sometimes you can go or I can go a little bit long. Uh, Lady Rebels are playing on uh, Thursday. That's tomorrow. San Jose State's in town. Number 23 team in the country. First time they've been ranked in 30 years. They're going for 15-0 in the Mountain West. That'll officially clinch the regular season title. They're 24-2 overall. Game's tomorrow, 630. It's inside the Thomas and Mac. They moved over because they expect a big crowd from Cox Pavilion. There are $1 tickets available until midnight tonight. Uh, high school students, UNLV students, and all children, uh, 12 and under, you get in free. $2 beers, not for you guys, uh, not for the younger people. Free canes for the students. Uh, 2,500 free t-shirts. Those are play for K t-shirts. And like I said, the $2 beer night, the Miller Lite beers are uh, flowing through halftime. The game will be on the Silver State Sports and Entertainment Network. That's uh, Cox 125 and Fox 5.2. So go out to the game, though. Go out to the game. I'll be on the call with Matt Never. We want people to watch. But go out to the game. Support the Lady Rebels. The game is tomorrow at the Thomas & Mac at 630. Follow the guys on Twitter at Steve Cofield and at Willie G. Ramirez. Or tweet the show at Cofield & Co. I can start and iron two dozen shirts before you can count from one to nine. I can scoop up a great big dipper full of lard from the drippings can. Throw it in the skillet, go out and do my shopping, be back before it melts in the pan. Cause I'm a woman, W-O-M-A-N. I'll say it again. From a, an old Galentine's Day. I know you hate Galentine's Day. The gal's hanging out. That's actually Cher. Cofield and Company presents Grab Bag, only on ESPN Las Vegas. Should I restart, Ari? I just go. I just go. Sorry, man. I know that. I know you. That he, your love of radio, we're killing it by making mistakes. I apologize. Uh, anyway, that was Cher. That was Raquel Welch. R.I.P. Yeah, she passed away, eighty-two years old. What does she mean to you for and and for a lot of guys in our age group? I'll be real honest with you. Um, I, she's an icon, and I know she's an icon. And um, you sort of use the phrase "pinup" from back in our day, but she wasn't. It, when I was a kid, it, she wasn't the one that I had pinned up on my wall. Well, like she was I, a little older. Yeah, she was. So she's just an icon. But when you get older, 
like when I get older, my appreciation for the Audrey Hepburns, the Ingrid Bergmans, the, you know, um, Marilyn Monroe, Jane Mansfield, you know, people like that. Um, you have a better appreciation when we get older. When I was a kid, it doesn't really mean anything for me when I was younger, but older because we look at the nostalgic look of those women in the 50s and the 60s and into the 70s and just how gracious and, and, and stunning, you know what I mean? Just their natural looks. So, well, damn, now I feel bad. I just painted her as a pinup. Wow. She did a lot more than that, though. Yeah. She was around for a long time. Uh, fun interviews, right? I was looking back at a uh, vast sound crew, of course, look back at uh, a Carson appearance where uh, Johnny Carson told a pretty good story. She was 40 at the time, you know, sizzling hot, uh, really good storyteller, super smart lady. Here was Raquel Welch and Carson. Would you welcome Raquel Welch? My oldest son, Chris, is a golfer. He was playing in a golf tournament in Cape Cod. Yeah. And he sent me this. He had checked into a motel to stay, wait, like wait, most wait. young golfers do. A motel? Wait a minute. No, was a motel. no, there's nothing wrong with this. And on the pillowcase, this is what was on the pillowcase. <laughs> but the funny part about it was, on the other side of the pillowcase in which my son was staying, was a picture. <laughs> Absolutely true. That's, that's, that's what you realize you now we can, we can tell people now that we are together in a motel in Cape Cod? <laughs> And shared the same pillowcase? <laughs> Isn't that wild? Yes. Johnny Carson with Raquel Welch. I 1980. love... And, and there's nothing better than watching old Carson uh, bits with female guests. That's awesome. Because a lot of it could not get away with. like, Or when he had Rickles or Buddy Hackett or yep. Dom DeLuise and Angie Dickinson was on? Forget about it. I don't know what has happened in say that since that, apparently 42 years. I don't know what's happened. Because when I watch Carson, by the way, they, they were doing, there was a little political commentary there too. Rocco Welch comes out. She's got all black on and it must have been like December or January, mm. right, of 80 or, you know, clearly it had to be late 1980 uh, because she mentioned she was in mourning about the election because Reagan had just won in 1980. Mm. So, whoa! Which, by the way, by the way, mm. when when people mention, older people mention, oh, all this political stuff on TV, you're you're lying. That stuff was as present or more present right. on TV. Right. There's always been social commentary on television. It's not something new in Hollywood. And your heroes that you idolize, they did it too. Yeah, because Reagan was an actor and then the governor. Do you know how much he was brought <laughs> yep. up at the Dean Martin roast? Yeah. And on Carson, butt of jokes from Dean Martin and Don Rickles and the like. I mean, they tore into him. There was a line, Raquel Welch tried to tell a joke, it fell flat because it was such an you know, inside deal, but it was a line involving William Morris, the agency. Oh, yeah. You know, because of Reagan. And so, well, R.I.P. Raquel yeah, Welch. 82 years old. All right, back in the back. Stick your hand in there, Dave. Well, here's Willie's big topic of the day. We've got, we got 90 seconds for it. Kay. We've been talking all day about stop worrying about the X to car for the Raiders. Willie's plan, and hell, man, I'll, I'll, we'll probably buzz you to come on as a guest on Friday uh, to lay out your plan. You have a one through five list of uh, you know wishes for quarterback, and you have Rodgers four. What are you doing? Yeah, because I saw something out there that not only Garoppolo, but um, Jacoby Brissett, Mac Jones, all these suggestions because of the familiarity with Josh McDaniel's system. Hello, Jarrett Stidham 
is just as familiar as the system and you just you brought him here with you in the event you didn't like Derek Carr. He's an unrestricted free agent. You could probably sign him on a discount. He knows the system and you can use a lot of money to build the defense and offensive line. Make sure you check out my story. It's Sporting Tribune. It's going to be up tomorrow with my top five options. Oh, that whole thing was an elaborate setup. I feel bad. You could have mentioned it like five times. I didn't know that's what you're doing. I don't need to do bragging. I leave that to the other boys. You and your Jarrett Stidham love. Yes. I don't, man. I'm going to be campaigning for him. You are? Heavy. Yep. I got picket. I got signs. We're going to be volunteers, t-shirts. So everything. a good like 80 minutes of football, you're all in. This is the future. Mm. Yep. I I feel Who's like you are, I feel like you're making a real bad rebound mistake here. Yeah, well, it is what it is. Do you really know this person to jump uh, right in with them? First of all, first of all, all rebounds are bad after a bad breakup. <laughs> <laughs>